So just, uh, it's been a really, really tough week when it comes to celebrity deaths, but I think a lot of people were really, really quite shocked about to hear it because in just a few short days, we've heard uh, not just the shocking death of Kate Spade, a very um, well-known, famous designer. You know, we all have, if you're a young woman, we all have something Kate Spade. I've got a Kate Spade wallet in my bag. But then we hear this stunning news this morning that Anthony Bourdain, just 61, also taking his life. He was, of course, on assignment shooting his show in France, his body found in a hotel room by his team. But it just goes to show you that you can have all the riches in the world, all the opportunity, all the fame and every reason to live. But when it comes to mental illness, it does not discriminate. It doesn't care how pretty you are or how famous you are. You just never know. I want to bring in Oren Amate, of course, a registered psychology registered psychologist who you can get over at docamate.com. Hello there, sir. Good evening, Alex. Um, let's let's start with the fact that two celebrities, and I'm not putting them as an importance, but we have two high-profile celebrities who have taken their own lives, um, which has really, I think, forced the conversation of mental illness. And I'll make a, an assumption here. It could be something totally different, but likely something like depression that caused this. But it's forced the conversation into the into the limelight. Yeah. And, you know, it's possibly depression. Uh, I know it's uh, Anthony Bourdain. I don't know how he was doing recently, but he was also, I know he had troubles with drugs previously. So there are certain factors that put people more at risk to, you know, to do such a tragic thing. But you know, anybody can fall prey to it. And I don't want to say that, you know, anyone just out of the blue can, but mental health, uh, as you said, uh, mental health issues do not discriminate among people. I want you to listen to a a clip of Anthony Bourdain. This is taken from uh, back in 2010, where he talks about his life. Take a listen. I went from a guy, you know, broke, uh, always been, had been broke, never insured, never owned anything, perpetually in debt, uh, hard-working guy to overnight uh, the guy with the best job in the world uh, with the freedom to travel around the world doing anything he wants and and, and get paid for it. You know, uh, that that's Anthony Bourdain. And I don't know if there was a history. I don't know if it was known in his circle of friends or those who knew him. I'm sure we'll get more details in the days to come. He was, he was certainly young, but he seemed to kind of, he went through life, he earned it, he did the hard knocks, and then he got it. And yet it wasn't enough. No, and, you know, there's different types of depression. People have to recognize that there's the very standard kind that we all get at some point, very minor and mild. Then there's the kind that's uh, very severe but reactive to something in the environment. But the, the most pernicious type is what we call endogenous depression, where there's no obvious stressor. It just seems to be biologically induced and or created. So that might be what he was struggling with, uh, for all that we know, or you know, anyone else who's ever killed themselves, sadly. Uh, it just becomes too much. And some people, 20% of people suffering from such a major depressive episode are um, at risk for psychotic um, uh, symptoms. So they can lose touch with reality briefly. And in, that, in those moments, losing touch with reality, uh, suicide might seem like the most logical and rational way to deal with this hell that doesn't seem to ever end. Okay, so in, in the case of Kate Spade, we hear through reports and learn through the reports that there had been uh, a history that when Robin Williams uh, took his life, it seemed to resonate with her and some suggest that that may have propelled her to, to kind of act, albeit it was a couple of years later, a few years later. Could that be the case? Do people get... 
um, into a mode of copycats. So let's say Kate Spade, which got a lot of headlines. Could that drive someone to say, you know what, now it's my time? Yes, on several levels. First, we know there's a phenomenon called suicide contagion. Now, it's usually when it's like, let's say, a small community and a number of teens start, right. Um, you know, right? So we have that. We do have the copycats. And two, there's two other ways, at least two other pathways people could do that. One is they say if, you know, if even these celebrities who have it all you know, are hopeless. They feel hopeless. What hope do I have? So that's one where it just makes people feel desperate. And the other is that they might romanticize mm-hmm. what the person did, mm-hmm. right? So it's almost like an homage or maybe I'll make my mark too by doing this, which, you know, it's borderline delusional thinking, not real delusional thinking, but, you know, just not rational. Right. And, and, and that's why in the media, I mean, ever since I've been in the media, we've, we've not reported suicides because you don't want, it's just kind of a, an understood that we don't report or put out um, suicides because we don't want to um, uh, create a copycat effect. But now we're into this new phase where we are told to talk about it and not shame it. And, and, and I don't get the sense that it's, it's a shaming factor, but what is the right approach to talk about it and put it out there or not? <laughs> It definitely is uh, proper to talk about it, but it has to be talked about in the right way. And so, you know, one is to be factual about it, to make people feel that if they do come forward to talk about their distress or their suicidal thoughts, that they're not going to be stigmatized. They're not going to be locked up necessarily. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only time that we would uh, form one them, which is to hold them against their will, is if they seem to be an imminent risk to themselves or to others. And that's not that frequent. Uh, doctors have a pretty high threshold for that. So, um, you know, they have to be able to feel that they can talk without being judged uh, or have some other negative consequence. And they have to also feel that talking about it and feeling some discomfort around it is a far better solution than a permanent solution. Let's talk a little bit about what you were touching upon when there's different levels. Um, you know, you can either have a, a, you know, a bout of the blues, maybe you've lost a job or, or a lost a loved one. But, you know, you can have a hormonal, um, you know, depression, maybe after childbirth. Uh, what, how do you talk about it with someone if you don't know the signs or if you don't know, you know, what might they be going through? Well, the best way is to talk to find out what they're going through. The signs are harder because some people with depression, and it's really sad that if you look at them, there's no way you would know that they are depressed. They have a mask on. And so people are talking to them as if everything is okay, or if they knew they were depressed, now they're so happy for the person because they seem so, you know, so good and so with it. And for that person who's simply wearing a mask, it feels terrible for them because they know that they're living a lie. They feel nobody else gets them. So it can be very tricky. In other cases, quite obvious, the person starts changing their behavior, their demeanor, they're isolating themselves, they're just not their normal selves. So if you see something like that, you know, to, to come up to it and, or to come up to them and to make it worse than it is, I mean, they may not, they might just be, you know, quote unquote, normally depressed. Um, or if you act in a way that makes them feel, oh my God, they can't handle it, making them, I feel bad because I'm making them feel bad. And then they're going to withdraw further because shame is such a huge component in all of this. You know, you have to be very careful about your response, make no assumptions, be, you know, kind of be uh, tactful, be gentle. And, uh, you know, and again, just encourage them to talk, ask lots of questions. And the most important thing you can ever say is, 
what can I do for you? You know, a big part of the uh, election, you know, in this election was uh, mental health treatment because we don't have enough in this province. We simply do not um, have adequate facilities and or people to deal with drug addiction and or dealing with people who have these kinds of issues. Where does the conversation go from here? And and I don't think Anthony Bourdain or Kate Spade are the catalyst for this conversation. It's been going on for a while, but I th- certainly think it's given people a kick in the pants to say, geez, you know, we, we've got to get serious about this. Well, you know, I've heard that same uh, kind of message yeah. for a number of years, that when some tragedy happens, whether it's a celebrity, whether it's five, you know, Inuit children, mm-hmm. whatever the case may be, and we never get the governments doing yeah. their part, whether it's on the fe- federal, provincial, or municipal levels. And you're absolutely right. There is not enough, uh, or there aren't enough resources or services for people with mental health issues. So I, I know my uh, colleagues at the Ontario Psychological Association have been trying for the last number of years to get governments to pony up because the governments have to realize that treating depression, mm-hmm. preventing suicide, all of this actually saves money in the end. You invest a dollar now, you make yeah. several dollars, or you save several dollars later uh, through, la- you know, so because you're not having such lack of productivity, you don't have people being hospitalized and so on. So uh, it, that's what it really comes down to. And I have yet to see the politician who has the wherewithal to make the right moves. That's well, the saddest part. Let's see if, uh, you know, given Doug Ford's, uh, you know, hist- history and his family, uh, with this kind of thing, certainly with his brother and the drug addictions. Right. You know, I- I've talked to him and said, you've got to start doing something about it. I, I hope he does. He said he will. Um, he's been given the mandate to do it. And it's it's so long overdue. So long overdue. It, it really is. And let's just hope that uh, he does make the right steps. Yeah, absolutely. Oren, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you and have a great night. Oren Amate is a registered psychologist. If you want to check out uh, what he does, who he is, and uh, some of the work that he does, you can get him at Doc Amate dot com.